Welcome to the World of Wellness Center podcast. I'm your host, Megan Zucram. As an exercise physiologist, I specialize in health and fitness programming for special populations. Over the years working with clients, I've seen that there's so much more to health than just fitness. And there's so much more to fitness than just exercising. So this World of Wellness podcast is dedicated to helping you learn about all things health, fitness, mindset, and motivation so you can transform into the healthiest, happiest, most confident version of yourself. Welcome back everybody to part two of the conversations with our nutrition coach, Andy Mayhew. Now, hopefully you guys already went to everydaynutrition.net and checked out his website, but if not, head there after this episode. So let's get right into the myths around fats, carbs, and protein. All right. So when I work with clients, there's always questions about how much protein they should be eating. And I've been doing a lot of research on protein lately and also carbohydrates and fats. And I think just because there's so much information out there that people get a little bit confused. So what are some common myths that you see around those proteins, fats, and carbohydrates or what people ask you a lot about them? And a very older, older myth that has been slowly dying out, um, and I don't think it has zero merit, was the idea of fat made you fat. Like if you eat fat, if there's fat in your diet, it, that's what makes you fat. Um, and for the most part, that's not particularly true um, unless that fat has been combined with a simple carbohydrate like sugar. So when you put sugar and fat together, yeah, that's a that's a, a recipe for a disaster. But fat alone, so I'm I'm talking about things like olive oil and avocados and nuts and seeds and you know fatty meats that come from healthy animals, which is a, a big difference there. Um, I think that's a natural part of the human diet is to have some fat in your diet. Your body knows how to deal with it. Um, it's a big building block in our bodies. All of our hormones are built with fats and the myelin sheath around our nerves is built with fats. Every cell in our body has to have fat in the cell. So the structure stays nice and soft and plump instead of rigid because, you know, if it was only built out of protein, it would be rigid. So our body needs fats. Our body has the ability to actually make fats. Um, And so I think that's one of the kind of bigger myths. Um, Another one is that Vegetable oil is better uh, a better source of oil than, let's say, animal product oil because it's cholesterol-free, which is 100% true. There's no cholesterol in canola oil, but that doesn't mean that it, it's, uh, it's healthy for you or even it's heart healthy. Most of the fats uh, that we'll see in, in commercial salad dressings, commercial food products, like baked goods or any prepared foods, are going to be one of um, either canola oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, cottonseed, or corn or soy oil. All of those oils are polyunsaturated fats, so they're they have a certain molecular structure to them that they're they're unsaturated, they're not saturated, but that also makes them very susceptible to uh, oxidation, and oxidation damages the fats. And the two things that expose a fat to oxidation are heat and light. 
And so when they extract these oils from these seeds, they use a lot of compression and heat to pull the oil out of the seed. And so a lot of these oils, before they even go into the bottle, are already damaged. And an oxidized fat causes inflammation in your body. And although it may not have cholesterol in it, it, it leads to more inflammation in your body and free radical damage. Inflammation and free radical damage is actually what is the, is the last thing that causes uh, a foam cell in your arteries to rupture, create a blood clot and give you a heart attack or a stroke. So just having like plaque in your arteries alone could be fine if they never, if they never create a foam cell, if they never got oxidized and it never got infl inflamed. The inflammation is what was really driving a lot of this problem. That's not to say that we want to keep our cholesterol numbers down. I mean, there is, you know, there's, there's plenty of good science that says, hey, when your cholesterol numbers are up, you have a higher risk of heart disease. And, and I, I believe that to be a true statement, but it's not so much the, the fat in our diet that's really driving that. It's the things that cause inflammation, and that's a lot of the sugars and the carbohydrates and the bad fats um, and, and even like fried foods, chips, you know, and even unhealthy lifestyle, like not sleeping well and, um, and a lot of alcohol or smoking. So I think that's a, a kind of a, a myth that is starting to change is the whole idea of there is good fat and it's good to have it in your diet. Um, another um, myth around the protein. Uh, this is, it's a, it's a very challenging topic to, to navigate through because there's so many different points of, uh, of contention around it. I mean, you've, you've got the one camp where it's like, the plant-based versus animal-based protein. And, you know, everybody is drawing their line in the sand and saying, no, my side is better than your side and don't cross it kind of thing. Um, there's, there's lots of good plant sources of proteins. They're not going to be um, as, uh, I don't think as bioavailable as some of the animal sources most of them are not complete sources of protein, which means they don't have all of the uh, essential amino acids in them or the, or the right percentages of that. Um, but, but they're still, that's, that's fine. I mean, there's people that live a very healthy lifestyle eating just plant foods. And there's even, you know, high, um, you know, high level athletes that are, are eating, you know, vegetarian or vegan lifestyles. So I, I don't think, um, I think the big myth around that is to say that, is to say that um, is to totally discount one side or the other. You know, um, I, I think there's a place for both of them. Um, another one is is the idea that one should eat, I think, uh, like a gram of protein per body weight. Most people are not are not bodybuilders. You know, most people are not in the gym a couple hours a day doing strength training, trying to get, you know, big. Um, if they are, then yeah, they might need a gram of protein, you know, per day, per body weight. A lot of the reason why that is, Megan, is because if you're, let's say you're a, a 200 pound man and you're trying to, you know, build muscle or at least hold on to what you got and you eat 200 grams of protein in a day, that's a lot of protein. 
you're going to be eating, you know, probably six eggs, at least a couple protein shakes, maybe a pound of beef and a whole bunch of chicken. You're not actually absorbing that much of that protein. That's why you have to eat that much of it. Maybe only 30 to 40% of that is actually getting converted into an amino acid that then your body's going to be able to use as substrate for, uh, you know, for muscle building. But if you're, I mean, if you're, you know, a weekend warrior, you're just somebody who's trying to be healthy, you know, you're doing 15 to 20 minutes a day of workout, maybe 40 minutes. I think, you know, a hundred grams of protein is sufficient for somebody like that, especially a smaller person, maybe even a woman, and maybe even less than that. Because, you know, some women are around 125 pounds. And for them to eat 100 grams of protein is quite a bit. I mean, that's, that's a lot of calories. Um, I think it's important, especially, I mean, as we age to eat protein, because as we get older, we start seeing um, sarcopenia. Mm-hmm. And then we lose bone density. And protein is a building block to help with bone density and building muscle. So as we age, it's important that we still continue to eat it and maybe even up it because if we're not eating enough and we're not active, then we're going to disintegrate. So it's like, I love protein as the building block. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, What I was speaking on before is kind of like the higher side of the myth. I think the lower side of the myth is you don't need much of it. And then that's where I agree with you there is that, no, you actually do. You know, as you age, particularly when you're around 40 years old, um, you're, you're now fighting time. And unless you, you put resistance on your muscles and provide the substrate to supply, you know, building blocks, you're going to get weaker as you get older. And, um, and, and then the other side is the absorption side of things. As we age, we lose the, um, the, the pH acidity of the acid in our stomach. And so the pH, it goes up, it rises. And so it's not as strong and we're not able to break down our proteins as much. So you could be eating, you could be 65 years old, eating hundred grams of protein a day and maybe only absorbing 20% of that because your stomach acid is not strong enough. It's, it's losing its ability to, to, uh, to break down those proteins and the peptides and then go into amino acid form. And um, so I think protein is really important, you know, as, as people age. And I would say, you know, like somewhere between 60 to 75 grams would be a minimum amount on a daily basis. And that's of like a good source of protein, which soy protein isolate is not, you know, even whey protein is um, it's, Whey protein is high is is highly absorbed, but not a lot of it gets actually converted into amino acids and then used for building blocks in your liver through the, the enzymatic process in your liver. Much of it can get converted back into glucose. Hmm. And then and then that goes to raise your blood sugar and causes a lot of other issues. Um 
And I think when it comes to all of these too, it's important for our listeners to know that this isn't like everybody's different for their needs. So this oh, isn't man. going to be like, this is just what it is. And this is what it has to be. But we are literally all built, made, function differently, similarly, but it's all different. So I just want Well, that's to- a big myth to talk about right there. Yeah. Is that the one size fits all myth? Yeah. I mean, everybody's book on the shelf is claiming that. Oh, here, I, I figured it out. You know, nobody else figured it out, but I figured it out. You got to eat this way. You got to eat that way. It, But no, there is no one size fits all. I mean, you can get, you really see this in couples and it, it's, it's kind of mean, you know, like where a couple, they adopt a certain, you know, type of diet because they have these health goals and one person does great and the other person doesn't. And they're in you know, they're in the same household, they're in the same environment, they're eating the same foods, they might even be doing the same exact workouts. But, you know, typically that's a male and a female, doesn't have to be, but typically it is. And even if it's two males or two females, you're still going to see those differences where one person will respond and the other person won't. A lot of that is genetics. You know, uh, genetics have been, um, you know, used as a scapegoat a lot. Well, that's just my genetics. I can't do anything about it. You know, diabetes runs in my family, so I'm just going to get diabetes. Well, if the environment is right and your genetics have a history of diabetes, then yes, you will be easier to get diabetes than maybe the next person. But that doesn't have to be if you change the environment. So you're right. You, It's really independent on each person, you know, and, um, and it's a lot of trial and error. So yeah, anybody listening to this, these are just general guidelines we're talking about here um everybody needs uh specifics and this is where you guys can all reach out to andy for some more specific help as well we'll get there there's there's one more myth that i want to break down okay carbs make you fat yeah um well here's here's one, one thing that you know we need to realize our brains are sugar fanatics our brains are a four-year-old with cotton candy. You know, it's like our, it needs constant glucose 24 hours a day, every minute that you are alive. And so because of that, we, it has to have this constant supply of glucose to do that. There's a, there's a, a port that goes from, um, that comes out of the liver that where the liver produces sugar and sends it up to into the bloodstream. If you put a clamp on that port, which basically cuts off the, the sugar supply, the, the, the glycogen supply to the brain, how long do you think a person would live if they didn't have, you know, energy to their brain? Not long at all. <laughs> About three minutes. Oh my gosh. Wow. About three minutes, the average person would be gone. That's how much energy our, our brain uses and needs on a constant basis. So carbohydrates aren't bad, but we got to think about that in the context of, okay, what is a, what was the, the exposure a human had, let's say 10,000 years ago to carbohydrate? Well, that was going to be any roots or shoots or tubers that they found that they can kind of dig out of the ground. So, you know, you're thinking like carrots and, you know, like rutabagas, potatoes, um, yucca and taro, stuff like that, beets, sunchokes. 
And, you know, most of these things, a lot of them have, you know, been hybrid to what we see in the grocery store today, but it was a lot of like roots and stuff like that. And then the only other form of carbohydrate they would get is fruit. And that would be natural fruit that they found in the wild that just happened to be in season. And so let's say this was like a, the old version of a little apple, which was more like a crab apple and it was a lot less sweet than they are now. And, you know, apples come on the tree and they're gone in two months. They're not there for very long. And they typically came at the end of summer before winter was coming. So it allowed humans to pack on a lot of calories to get them through leaner times. And then fast forward to what we see now and we think, well, are carbs bad or are carbs good? Well, okay, carbs are good, so then I can eat carbs. But what does that mean? That means you're able to go to the bread aisle into the donut section, into the granola bar section, you know, and, uh, you know, a, a, a 25 ounce fruit smoothie from Juice Jack made with half orange juice. I mean, so we have to kind of look at it in these contexts. And so when it comes to carbohydrates, I tell people first go, go to the whole food forms of carbohydrate. And it doesn't particularly mean whole wheat bread. It means like some squash maybe, or a sweet potato or a regular potato or a plantain banana, you know, or some cauliflower or carrots or something like that. It's when we concentrate the form of carbohydrate that we start to get in trouble. Because again, our biology does not know how to deal with wheat flour. It, it, and, and then the arguments made, well, wait a minute, wheat flour, I mean, they, you know, they reference, you know, eating bread in the Bible. That's how old it goes back. Yeah, it, it actually kept humans alive. So did, you know, dairy. And that's why it's such a staple in our diet, in our, in our history. But the average human 5,000 years ago may have gotten a big loaf of bread to share between their whole family for the whole day. That was their one food. It was broth that they made and a loaf of bread for their whole family, which probably had four to six kids in it. And that was it. It wasn't bread and steak and green beans, you know, and wine afterwards and maybe a cookie. So we kind of kind of think about it in the context of that. Now, if you're doing some extreme workouts and you're, you know, you're exercising, you're burning a lot of calories, then your body can take more carbohydrate. It could deal with that because it's able to get it out of the liver and get it shuttled away into the muscles. And then it's able to get in. So it doesn't hurt your metabolism because your metabolism is up. You know, you're, you're doing a lot. And so you can take more carbohydrate, but if you're just, if you have a sedentary job, if you're, you know, at the computer and you go home and you make dinner and you maybe go for a walk after that, maybe do a 20 minute workout and then you go sit down and watch TV the rest of the night you don't need to be taking in massive amounts of carbohydrate. I mean, you know, like I'm talking about like a, a handful of carbohydrate at a, at a meal. That's like a good, you know, measurement tools. What would fit in the palm of your hand? And that, and then anything more than that, you might start seeing problems with your body to, a, to deal with that amount of sugar coming in. Yeah. But if it's a birthday, have some damn cake. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> So essentially the carbs, the carbs really depend on your activity level, the quality and the quantity of what you're putting in your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they do. Um, if, 
Now, again, remember where I said that, you know, when you mix fat and sugar together, that's kind of a, a bad combination. Well, anything that's going to turn into sugar should be considered sugar. So like bread, you know, pasta, rice, stuff like that, even potatoes. And so if you put a bunch of fat and mix it with that, even if you're not adding, you know, like table sugar to it, it's still going to be a very nutrient dense product that is probably going to raise your blood sugar up. And then it's going to increase your triglyceride level, which that can contribute to, you know, long-term ill effects. Um, and then I also think it's important that our listeners know that carbohydrates are a complex form of sugar. So your body takes carbohydrates and breaks it down into glucose for your body to use it for energy. Mm -hmm. Primarily, then, yeah. uh, except for the case of fruit. Fructose is a sugar, um, but your your liver can't convert fructose into glucose or, it, or, uh, or not that much of it. So most of the fructose that you eat in your diet gets converted to fat. And then that gets converted to a triglyceride, which gets put into your bloodstream. And that's how a lot of fat gets stored is by, you know, the overconsumption of fructose. Primarily in our diet, that came from sugar, like white sugar, because it's half fructose, high fructose corn syrup, and then uh, a lot of concentrated fruit juices. So you'll see that like, where you'll see on a product, it'll say no added sugar, but you'll look at the ingredients and it'll say concentrated white grape juice. And that's just a hundred, that's just hundred percent fructose. And, you know, same with like honey and agave, those were like, quote unquote, the good healthy sugars. Well, they're primarily fructose and they're just going to your liver. They're not raising your blood sugar, but your liver is converting them to a triglyceride and they're raising your, your, uh, not only your triglyceride level, but that actually also raises your cholesterol level, which it, that's a longer conversation to explain, but yeah, you're right. It's, these are all basic, basically different forms of sugars that get broken down to. Cool. Well, we went over a lot today. I feel like yeah. we could probably talk for another hour, <laughs> but um, how can somebody get a hold of you or anything like that? The best way is just to go to my website, it's uh, everydaynutrition.net. I have a lot of resources on there. Um, there's a, 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 a button you can click to get a hold of me and, and uh, you know, request a consultation. I do free consultations. I have a really fun food blog on there where um, there's a bunch of recipes where I kind of tell a story on the history of the recipe and then go through the recipe of kind of my style of cooking. It's, it's everything that I make at my house. So it's just a bunch of fun way of looking at things. And then I also have um, a, a new online course that I put together for people who aren't quite ready to, you know, jump all the way in the boat yet, you know, with me and, and kind of come work with me, but they want to start somewhere and they want to build this foundation of health. It's a 10 week basic training course that helps them build a, a good foundation of health that the rest of their health is going to springboard off of. And they can find that on the website as well. Cool. And then I'll also link to that in the show notes for you guys too. So thanks for coming on, Andy. And we'll have to have you back and talk some more. <laughs> Anytime, Megan. Always enjoy it. Thank you. What a fun and inspiring conversation with Andy Mayhew from Everyday Nutrition. I learned a lot of new things and it was so fun to have you on the podcast, Andy. So check out everydaynutrition.net. I'll put those link in the show notes and thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next week.